Let's get back to the latest on Ukraine, where we have reports this afternoon of explosions rocking the capital of Kiev as Russian troops move closer to the city center. Jeremy Kingsman is Canada's former ambassador to Russia and is a distinguished fellow of the Canadian International Council and joins us now for more on this. Jeremy, good afternoon. I appreciate your time on this Friday. Hi. Uh, first off, can you give us a, your take just on what you've seen develop throughout the day here today and where you think we're at right now? Well, there's this wonderful phrase called the fog of war, Jeff. Uh, you never really know exactly where you are, even though we've got things we didn't used to have, like drones and satellites. Uh, it's unclear. I think that uh, the most important battle going on now may be the battle of psychology. Uh, when does Putin uh, realize uh, that what he planned uh, may not come off exactly as uh, he intended? That's both in terms of on the ground stuff. It's not going to be as easy as he thought. And that's in terms of the world's reaction and the reaction of people in Russia. I don't think this is at all popular among normal Russians who don't have any gripe or grudge with Ukrainians, or even with Ukraine existing as a sovereign, a separate country. I think Putin has a big grudge or a big fear is that that separate sovereign democratic country might just succeed making his own look and his own regime, corrupt as it is, look pretty bad. So uh, where are we on that? I don't know. The question's always been what's going on in this dictator's head. And to your point about what's going on inside Russia right now, Jeremy, there are protests happening there where it's actually illegal to protest. And there's reports that more than 1,700 Russians arrested for voicing their concern and saying no to war. So does that tell us all we need to know, do you think, about, uh, again, the the reaction to uh, what Putin is doing inside his own country? Well, it tells you a lot. I I did uh, a piece, a hit for TV uh, just uh, 24 hours ago, and the arrest count at that time was 60. So now you're saying it's 1,700. Um, I think uh, it does tell you a lot, yes. Uh, of course, uh, you know, when you're, you're running a very repressive uh, government, which puts protest down, hits people over the head, whacks them in their families and in their jobs and in everything else, people tend to shut up. And so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if this this sort of protest movement didn't back off a bit uh, after people uh, get tired of the not just the inconvenience, but the real danger of getting whacked over the head. But uh, what is going on among normal people? And I'm talk- not talking about the elites and and, Yel- and Putin's uh, entourage. I'm talking about, you know, guys in the bar. I think they're going to be thinking about how all this looks, how they look, how much shame they feel. One of the big uh, sanctions or reactions I thought would be very effective was the withdrawal of St. Petersburg as the host of the European football championships in in, in a little while. Shifted, uh, it's been shifted to Paris. That's the kind of thing that that gets through to to normal, ordinary people. My God, they say. What, what is this guy? What's our guy doing? How do we look? I can't go to Barcelona anymore from my vacation. This isn't good. Uh, I hate to trivialize it, but that's how people think. And I think that's how people in Russia are going to think. 
And do you think something like that, Jeremy, does it speak louder than maybe these uh, severe sanctions that were announced yesterday by Canada, by the U.S., uh, the U.K., we're hearing today, uh, the EU, they're going to target Putin uh, specifically uh, here with the new penalties. What do you make of those sanctions that have been uh, announced by various G7 countries? Well, sanctions are tough. You know, they uh, they work sometimes, uh, but pretty rarely. Normally, they don't. These will, they're announced as being more severe than any sanctions previously for virtually anything. I don't think sanctioning Putin personally uh, does, you know, an awful lot. He's not going to move to London uh, in the near future. Uh, But I think uh, some of the other sanctions are very meaningful. I think the cancellation of the, uh, it seems like a virtual cancellation, of the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany cost $11 billion, and now it won't be opened, uh, is a big deal. I think the uh, embargo of uh, component, of of, of high-tech components, vital components, their export to Russia is also uh, a, a pretty big deal. The sanctions on banks, on their ability to uh, do business uh, abroad is important, as is the, uh, the interdiction on the ability of the Soviet, uh, Russian, excuse me, central bank to, uh, to, to raise money, to, uh, to, to sell bonds uh, on international markets. There's still more to come. That would be uh, like evicting uh, Russia uh, from the uh, international uh, financial transaction clearinghouse system called SWIFT. So they uh, actually will not any longer be, be able to process from Russia any, anything, such as uh, visa payments, such as uh, 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 payments on any kind of a, a, a purchase or credit whether corporate or personal, that's going to bite. So yeah, these sanctions are pretty real. But Putin's sitting on top of 620 billion US dollars in cash. Oil is over $90 uh, a barrel, uh, and he's got a lot of it. He knows Europe is 40% dependent on his gas, and he's counting on China to uh, put up a lot of of, uh, a cushion uh, as an alternative market for some of these things. I don't know if he should put up if he should count on them that much. And he has the experience of Russian resilience. You know, the mild sanctions on Crimea, they just substituted uh, homemade camembert for French camembert. And by the way, I was there a couple of years ago. It's, it's not bad. This is much more serious, but it'll take time to click in. And Putin is on a different time frame. This is a guy who doesn't have a cell phone. He says he doesn't use the internet. I don't think he knows how to type on a computer. So uh, he's uh, in his own world. It'll take time for this to bite into that world. I think the ones that hit citizens, we're not targeting Russians. Nobody's got anything against Russians per se, but we are hoping to make them think. Okay, because that's really interesting, because I know, Jeremy, when some of these stronger sanctions were announced yesterday, some of the talk and a bit of criticism was that they were not targeted directly to the Russian president, to Vladimir Putin. But your argument is that uh, he really is tough to touch when it comes to these sanctions to kind of hurt him or make him feel it personally. Yes, I, I, I do believe he's, uh, he's, uh, he's alone in his labyrinth, which is well supplied and well protected.
All right. When you talk about the uh, timeline, uh, what do you expect to see uh, in the coming days? Uh, do we have any idea what Putin's next move will be? No, our, our predictions on that have all been wrong, with the exception I have to credit the United States for, uh, you know, predicting day after day this thing was this all out invasion was going to be imminent. A lot of us, I put myself in that category, were skeptical that Putin would do that because it didn't seem rational. Well, it wasn't rational. And that's what I expect to see play out now, the extent to which it wasn't rational. But I'm loath to predict now exactly what's uh, on his mind, nor, nor, nor what's going to take place on the ground. We all know that uh, the Russian military uh, is very uh, superior in terms of equipment, in terms of training, in terms of variety of things uh, than the Ukrainian, despite the fact that a lot of us have been trying to upgrade Ukraine's defensive capabilities over these last few years. That's just a fact. And, uh, and therefore, uh, the fighting that goes on is going to be a different kind of fighting. And I think uh, Russians are going to be very distressed by it, not just because of its violence, but because they're killing people in the same family. It's a family with two different wings. The fact that it's a family doesn't mean that Russia is the family boss. Ukrainians don't accept that. But they are people, friends, family, intermarried, and everything else. I don't think Russian people want to see Russians killing such people as the Ukrainians or Ukrainians killing them back. And I think that when that regrettably begins to happen, I think there's going to be, I hope there's going to be a, uh, a real uh, rethinking of this uh, vile project that he has entered into. What is the ultimate goal here for Putin? Is it just simply regime change? No, I think it's uh, he's trying to change history. Uh, you know, uh, it said he's uh, enormously nostalgic uh, for the uh, Soviet Union. Uh, it's not so much uh, nostalgia for the Soviet Union. He feels humiliated by uh, by treatment of Russia uh, over time since uh, 1990, since the breakup of the Soviet Union. Uh, he feels that the expansion of NATO right up uh, against uh, Russia's borders was something that was never in the cards when uh, Russia, almost unilaterally, when the Soviet Union, I'm talking about Gorbachev, unilaterally ended the Cold War. Uh, he feels that uh, he's, they've been, uh, Russia's been conned. Uh, and I don't know how to change his mind on those things. Uh, you can't say, well, we didn't mean that, or we didn't mean this, or you're getting it wrong, or look, Let's put let bygones be bygones. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to change that. But but those are the things that are going on in his mind. He believes that uh, that Ukraine and uh, Russia are part of the same uh, country, basic country. And that uh, the way the uh, the USSR broke up uh, was unfair. It was uh, precipitate. It was uh, it wasn't done well and left a lot of Russian speaking. Uh, people uh, stranded in borders of new republics where there were minorities. And, uh, and you know, it's got to be fixed in his view. Well, you can't fix it. The borders are the borders. And uh, though he, he made a grab on, on Crimea, and that was popular in Russia, it was popular for different reasons. It's a different place with a different history that's much more Russian and much more, much more accessible to normal Russians. Uh, this part of eastern Ukraine is less so. People speak Russian. But it's not something that Russian people want to take on. You know, it's going to be very expensive 
And uh, so he, he probably has miscalculated that. But uh, there it is, you know, people make mistakes, but when they're running a superpower, uh, superpower, at least in terms of having nuclear weapons and things, uh, you know, mistakes, mistakes are very dangerous for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Just finally, let me ask you, uh, what do you believe what should be Canada's next move? We, along with many other nations, numerous nations, did impose and announce stronger sanctions uh, yesterday. What do you think Canada's next move or response will be? But I don't know. I mean, Canada's uh, not going to, uh, you know, uh, move the needle on any, on any dial uh, in, in Putin's calculations. Uh, our trade with uh, Russia is, you know, is less than a billion dollars. And, uh, and, you know, our sending, uh, you know, a couple of hundred more troops uh, on the ground in Latvia isn't going to change anything. But, but the important thing that we're, we're I guess, uh, doing uh, is that we're, we're participating uh, vigorously in a collective response by a whole lot of countries, which is showing unbroken unity. And uh, everybody is, is, doing, is doing what they're doing. And collectively, that does add up to something. So I don't think Canada, Canada has a, a, a large uh, Ukrainian-Canadian population, about one and a half million. Uh, and and, and, and we've, we've been committed to, to trying to help them uh, build their their democracy uh, and their their uh, their more open country. It's not easy, you know, becoming uh, changing from from black to white, and it takes takes a generation or two. But they're getting there, and they are a great example for others. And we should support that example once once, and hopefully they will. I'm sure they will eventually get past this truly awful chapter that's unfolding uh, in front of our eyes. All right. Got to leave it there for now. Jeremy, I really appreciate your time with us on this Friday. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Be well. Jeremy Kingsman is Canada's former ambassador to Russia. And we're back after this break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 